20th anniversary Buffy fancast, and I am your watcher Donna. I'm your watcher Adrian. And I'm your watcher Jack. So, uh, we're getting ready to talk about the really fantastic episode Ted that starred uh, John Ritter. But before we do that, we're going to take just one quick moment to address the accusations that were made by Joss Whedon's uh, ex wife, Kai Cole. Adrian? Uh, yeah, basically, we just want to say that this is a podcast about Buffy, and um, we don't really talk about the people outside of Buffy, because we just, we're just here to talk about the show. And I'm of the opinion that when you fall in love with your heroes, you have to be very, very careful, because most of the time, you find out that people are human, and they make mistakes, and they're probably not the people that you wish they were. Uh, for example, I'm a big fan of H.P. Lovecraft. I'm also not white, and so H.P. Lovecraft probably wouldn't love me back as much as I love him. Um, so I try not to think of him as an individual. I try to think of him as the author who wrote these books and stories that I really care about. Uh, Ezra Pound is a really great poet. Many people love Ezra Pound. Turns out Ezra Pound was a Nazi. I learned that recently and was very surprised and disheartened by it. But in the end, like... The further we go in history, the further we go uh, in history, the more assholeish you will find people were. Is my opinion. I agree, and I think I think everyone has something in their past that they would be ashamed if people knew about it. So. Yeah, I I think I think my sixteen year old self was an asshole. Like, I, I'm already feeling that way about myself. I can't imagine. I would kind of like to go back and just beat the shit out of my old, my younger self. Oh. Like, would you just do shit right? I feel okay about 16-year-old me. Early 20s me, not so great. Mm. I don't want to beat myself up when I was 16. I feel like that, I feel like that would harm me more. <laughs> I'd just be like, I want, to, I want to talk to you about some stuff. Well, yes, okay, that was a figurative beat myself up. Uh, so speaking of people who have some dark pasts that would, they would probably be embarrassed if anybody found out about them, let's talk about Ted. Oh, this is such a good episode. I really think this is one of the best episodes. John well, Ritter is amazing. That really. could be because this episode was written by David Greenwald and Joss Whedon, and it was directed by Bruce Seth Green, and they have had a really good run lately. Yeah. It's funny because early on I was like, ah, oh, these guys, and now I'm like, yeah, these guys. <laughs> I feel like in season two, they're really getting their footing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we're also in the later part of season two now, too. We're right in the middle. We are We are yeah. dead in the middle. Season two uh, was one of my favorite seasons for a very, very long time. Yes, I agree. In fact, it's still, like, I think my second favorite season. It's a, it's a good season. Well, season two is when I started watching originally, mm. so it's always got a special place in my heart. And as far as John Ritter goes, this episode... It creates what I, I don't know what else to call it, but cognitive dissonance because John Ritter, I've never seen him in anything else where he wasn't a great guy. I yeah. mean, John Ritter is always the good, goofy, funny guy that you can that you can safely love. And then here's Ted, and I'm getting chills because of how creepy <laughs> Ted is. 
It's like when John Lithgow played uh, the bad guy in Dexter. Yes! Like, it was like, dude, I remember you from Third Rock in the Sun. What are you doing killing people? Well, he was pretty creepy in Buckaroo Banzai. I never saw that. But yeah, like, whenever a nice guy plays plays a villain like Ted, or, like, it's, it's super extra levels of creepy. Because it's someone you trust. Oh, this episode originally aired on December 8th, 1997. Because it's someone you trust, and you like you trust them. You're not expecting them to come out with random stuff like, "You want me to slap that smart ass out of your face?" I forgot what you said. He said it, but you want me to slap that smirk off your face? Yes. Oh my god, I was like, "What the fuck?" Right? Yeah, and he got creepy fast because right up until the mini golf, it really did seem like Buffy was just unhappy that her mom was dating. And then the mini golf scene where he first started talking about, no, we're not going to not count that. You know, rules are rules. And and then followed that up by threatening, threatening to slap her. And being a boy, was he crappy to her. That... I, I thought it was interesting the way that they did. Like, Buffy didn't ask for it to not be counted. Joyce offered. Yeah. And then he freaked out on Buffy about it. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, and then he approaches her alone. And this episode, to me, like, this episode is always really hard for me to watch. It's very, I, I, I know that triggering is a word that gets mocked these days, but it's very triggering. Yeah, I, sh- I was going to say, maybe we should actually, like, kind of pause for a second and just say, if this is something that you're not comfortable talking about, we are going to be talking about domestic violence and child abuse in this episode. Yeah, there's some there's some, some bad stuff in this episode. There is some suggestions of bad stuff. No, there is actual bad no, stuff. No, he, he hits Buffy. He hits her. Yeah, he and hits And he does Buffy. not know she's the Slayer. He, yeah, he does not. And he also has every... Like, he kidnaps Joyce at yeah. the end. Um, so I guess summary of this episode. Uh, Joyce gets a new boyfriend, Ted. Uh, everybody loves him, except Buffy, who feels a little eh. And then it turns out that she has good reason to feel eh, because he's an abusive dick face. And uh, also, also, he's a robot. <laughs> also, he's a robot. And also, he's been drugging everybody. Yeah, he's been drugging everyone. The and main it, reason that Buffy never comes to like him is that she refuses to eat any of the food he's fixing. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, like, so I thought that he was creepy from the very beginning, like the very first moment I saw him. And I don't know if this is a, like, I feel a little bit chicken in the egg, like, a paradox coming on, because I'm like... Did I did I start thinking people like Ted were creepy because of Buffy, or or did I or did I think people like Ted were creepy before? But then it occurs to me, no, like I I kind of like in my own past I've known people who are like that, and everyone who's like, and everyone I've known who's had this like this uh, super nice when everyone is around like, super welcoming and stuff, like, gives me a little bit of a creep factor, because I'm like, what are you like when... No, not like you. Uh, (laughs) Adrian's giving me a look, but what I'm talking about is, like, um, like, that sort of, like, and, uh, gosh, like... Yeah, like, all, all that stuff, like, like, just very, like, restrained, uh, like, a restrained kind of like uh, comfort with He's others. putting on a mask. This yes. is even before we know he's a robot. He's putting on a mask and we all know it's a mask. Yeah. I mean, even even before you know he's a bad guy, he's not real. He's not genuine. 
Yeah. And it's it's not even that he's trying to hide that he's not real. So. Yeah, yeah. Like, and so that's why it, it just... It, you're right. It doesn't seem genuine. And because it doesn't seem genuine, it gives me a concern of, like, what are you really up to? Mm-hmm. TMI time. Uh, when I was a kid, my mom dated this guy who ended up trying to kill her. Mm. And uh, one of the things that I remember very early on was not liking this guy for no particular reason that anybody could put a finger on. Like, I hadn't met him alone. I just know that every time she would leave to go on a date with him, I would be in tears and crying and begging her not to go. And I just, I didn't want anything to do with this guy. And then after the whole relationship and everything was over, I think my grandma was like, "Mm, you know... Maybe you should pay more attention to when your kid doesn't like somebody. Like, your kid here is an important factor in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And and so, like, this, I I don't think I ever, ever liked Ted. And it was completely based on Buffy's reaction. Um, Because I... I already was... Like, Buffy isn't wrong. Mm -hmm. She has never been wrong at this point whenever she says that somebody is bad. Yeah. She just isn't. And, I mean, we have had multiple cases of the characters not believing her, and this is another one. She even says, guys, I have a pretty good sense for this, and everybody knows, and I appreciate Willow very much in this episode, because Willow is one of the only ones who is like, "Mm, okay, like, it's not that I believe you, but I also have no reason not to believe you. True. So Willow is the one who's like, I'll help, but I'm also going to try to check you and be like, are you sure that you're not just upset about this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the moment when uh, Buffy says, are you in? And she's like, of course I'm in. Mm-hmm. Of course I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I even really like Xander. Like, even Zan- like in this episode, I felt like Xander was actually pretty good. Like, he was like, no, no. But every time he was like, no, Buffy, come on. He was also sort of enchanted by food. Yes. Yeah. Like, and, and so... Um, also, I think this is interesting because we don't know, we never know exactly what Xander's family is like. I think his family is one of the only ones that we don't ever, like, see any of them on screen. Yeah, no, no, no. Not uh, until later. Later, but, um, um... But so, there's also a pretty good reason for Xander to just be like, Ted's a perfectly normal dude. Yeah. It's true, he doesn't have a good home life basis for what a normal person is. Uh... And one of the first triggering things that happens in this um, episode is when Buffy starts trying to tell people, we were just saying, when Buffy starts trying to tell people first that she's just got a gut bad feeling about him, and then later when she's trying to tell people, no, he threatened to hit me, mm-hmm. and uh, and people don't believe her. And even later on, after he hits her, and they fight, and he falls down the stairs, and air quote, dies, um, the cops don't believe her. You know? Yeah. It's pretty It doesn't clear. look like he hit you very hard. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of that um, women not being believed. I also want to add something about that, though, is that there is a pretty big undercurrent of women not being believed and also women not being seen as a threat because she literally just killed somebody, they think, and they just send her home and say... and. And very reassuringly are like, we're not drawing any charges against her at this at this time. Mm-hmm. Just go home and get some rest. Not even a, hey, don't leave town. Nothing. 
Yeah. And so even though, for all intents and purposes, everyone believes Buffy has just killed a full-grown man, little white girls don't get arrested. Victims of violence are not often believed. And uh, and so that seemed very thematic, like thematically mm-hmm. appropriate that the cops didn't believe Buffy. Um, the uh, I know that... Um, like the suspicion, a lot of the suspicion that Buffy has at the very beginning is very normal for a teenager because of the stepdad situation. It's a stepdad. Like, I mean, it's somebody who's dating your parents. So like for, for like on the default, there's going to be some jealousy involved. Um, but, but yeah, like little things like Ted calling, uh, Buffy little lady. Yeah. <gasps> made my blood boil mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like I was just like oh man like he's doing this in front of everyone why is nobody saying anything and I realize it's 1990s but this goes back to like the history moves on and everyone is a monster if you well, look back far enough you know I thought what was interesting about that is my my stepdad now is an obnoxious trucker like he is and he knows if he listens to this he knows he's obnoxious. He he is prideful about his obnoxiousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and he never called me little lady. Like I I remember he he told stupid inappropriate jokes and over and over and over the same joke all the time. He still does that. He still does that. But he's never he's never called me little lady. He's called me sweetheart and sweetie, but in a very like he didn't do that in the beginning. Like, that was a thing that he did later, and so seeing this dude just call her little lady right out the gate, I'm like, you have not earned the right for pet mm-hmm. names. Exactly. That is not a thing you get to do on day two. He hasn't earned the right to, like, do a lot of the things that he starts doing from the, like, right out the gate. Like, he starts, he starts parenting right off the bat, and I'm just like, no, no, because I've had, like... My mom was a single mom growing up, and she, like, had a lot of different relationships with stepdads. And, like, each one of them had, like, different kinds of wanting... Stepdads or boyfriends? Are we just using stepdad to mean any sort of... I was using stepdad to mean any boyfriend, but I could just mean the stepdads who actually married her. Okay. Um, Either way, there were a few Sounds like your mom gets around, dude. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, she's she's a liberated woman. nothing wrong with that um so one of the things that like so each stepdad had their own way of dealing with me some of them wanted to bond like in a friend way and those are the ones I appreciated the most and then like uh my last stepdad tried to actually parent on occasion and I had to explain to him several times (laughs) that was not gonna happen uh and I was like and it was one of those things where like I kind of didn't like him but at the same time I was like I'm not married to you so like I think you're great for my mom. I'm just not a fan of you. <laughs> I like, like so, so don't try to parent me because it's not going to work. I think that's how I felt about my stepdad for a long time. But I was like, look, I'm 16. It doesn't matter. I'm out of here in a little bit. My mom likes you. We're good. I appreciate him more now that I don't live with him. Yeah. It's amazing how that happens. Yeah. Um, I actually, I wrote that down too. Ted takes control of a lot of stuff. Yes. Um, like at dinner, they're praying He's leading the prayer, and they've never prayed. Mm-hmm. Like, we have never seen that before. Which I also think is interesting, because this is the second time... Well, not the second time, but this is the first time we see anybody pray 
in Buffy. And the only other time religion was really referenced was when Giles was basically being like, that's not her thing. <laughs> that doesn't exist. Um, yeah, he's very controlling in creepy little ways. Like, mm-hmm. like uh, just little things at first, but then like at dinner, we already know that he's already planning a wedding that Joyce has no idea about. Yeah, well, yeah, Joyce ha- Joyce doesn't know. And he also, like, he literally at dinner says to Joyce, no, let me handle this. And this is the one that, like... On the one hand, I really love seeing Joyce more in this episode because I just really like her. On the other hand, I just kept thinking, what the fuck are you doing? I I actually have written down in here that Joyce lost major points when she, when she sided with Ted when she found Ted in Buffy's room. And then we got to the end and I was like, oh, they're all drugged. So... Yeah. So I'm, I'm cutting Joyce some slack... Because, man, if I found my boyfriend in my teenage daughter's room... For any reason. For like, any reason. Yeah. Like, that's, I guess that's the thing that, that gets to me the most. is just, like, he has no business being in her room. It doesn't matter what's happening. You're, like, Joyce is the parent. He has no reason to be going into Buffy's room. Yeah. And, like, also, I mean, if Joyce hadn't been drugged, it would be a big problem because the fact that... Why? They don't know each other that long. They haven't known each other that long. They haven't uh, been dating that long. We don't know that, actually. We don't know how long she's been dating him. Because Buffy says, I guess all these late nights you've been having at the gallery lately. And okay. Joyce was like, yeah, I was look- we were looking for the right time to introduce you. So we actually don't know how long she and Ted have been together. Okay, well, at the very least, uh, Ted has been at home. At Joyce's home. Very recently. Yes. Like, like it started happening that he's been coming to Joyce's home more often, but that started at this episode. So, like, so how long does somebody have to date you and be at that point where they come to your house on the regular and then they're allowed to be just anywhere in your house without mm-hmm. you knowing where they are or, like, what they're doing? Yeah. Because, like, I've, like, whenever... I feel like the equation changes a lot with a kid. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. right now, I'm like, well, prior to having Leia, I honestly didn't care where people... Like, if I found somebody in my room, I'd be like, you lost? <laughs> but it's not like I would care a lot that they were in there. Oh, I'd care. But if I found somebody in Leia's room, I'd be like, uh, you can go now. Like, there's zero... There's nothing in this room for you. There's no reason for you to be in here. You wouldn't be looking for anything that's in here. Um, yeah, like, uh, when I have, when there are people in my house that, like, even boyfriends, uh, I mean, our girlfriends, hypothetically, but I haven't had any in this house. Um, <laughs> but, like, uh, whenever I've had somebody in this house, I always know where they are. Like, and if they move, like, I- I'm aware of that. Like, I- Or daredevil. No, it just, like, just just because, like, it, it's my private space. Like, I, I, I want to be safe in it. And, like, to be honest, I'm not comfortable enough to, like, allow somebody to be in my space without me knowing where they are at any given moment unless I've been with them for a year. I cannot imagine. I'm, I'm trying to picture right now a scenario where I would just get up and go walk into your bedroom. And I, I cannot picture... I think yeah. there would have to be a scream for help. Before I, 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 I would get up say, and walk I, into your bedroom. I was going to say, I could imagine, like, if Maddox made a sound of pain or something, mm-hmm. I can imagine 
because you are literally right now sitting closer to the door and you're a veterinarian, yeah. that you would make it to that room before Jay did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, like, that'd be different, but, like, but even, even as much as I trust you and, and as much as you're my friend, like, one of the things I trust you to do is not go into my private spaces without asking. Respect your bandr- boundaries. Yeah. Like, like I think I, you and I have similar feels yeah. on where boundaries exist in your own home. Yeah, like, like I trust you. Mm-hmm. I trust you not to go into my private space without asking. I don't, I, I don't trust you to just go into my private space and hang around, mm-hmm. because like that's not how I know you. And like, if you were to do that, I would think one, that's very undonna like, and two, what's Donna doing? Yeah. Yeah. But at any rate. Um. Yeah, so, so Ted takes a lot of control and a lot of... Liber- Here's the thing that I think that maybe none of us are totally taking into account, and I don't know how much it changes things. Joyce's house is a lot bigger than a house... Not Donna's. <laughs> Donna's house is a crazy labyrinth. Um, but it's, Joyce's... It's a straight line. It's a, it's a straight line of a labyrinth. There's like four doors that enter to the same room. Yeah. Um, but our houses are all single-story... Before Donna's house became a labyrinth, I feel like it was a standard single-story three-bedroom house. Yeah, the shotgun-style house. Yeah, and so it is very like it is not difficult for me to know where everybody in my house is at any given point. Mm-hmm. But Joyce's house is two stories and looks big from the outside, and all of their rooms are big and roomy whenever we're in them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that it might be easier to not know exactly where he is for him to have gone somewhere and then to just assume he went to the bathroom. And then once she does see him in Buffy's room, there is violence happening. And Buffy has gotten the upper hand. Buffy is the only one throwing hits at that point. Mm -hmm. So I think that the violence maybe supersedes the what the fuck is he doing in her room, immediately followed by, holy shit, my daughter killed a man. Because I want to point out that when the cops got there, Joyce said... He fell. Yes. And then when Buffy said, I hit him, Joyce was like, Buffy, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So right there, we see Joyce like already coming back to Buffy's. She earned points back by saying he fell. Yeah. That's we, in my notes. <laughs> but Joyce earns, yeah, she, she comes back pretty quickly by jumping back onto Buffy's side. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what Joyce is thinking at that point. Maybe she's like, oh, I don't know. She, Buffy said that he threatened to hit her. So we never really do see what Joyce thought. But at that point, Joyce is already... Like, like, it seems to me like at that point, Joyce is already off of the Ted train. Yeah. Mm. Did anyone notice, did Ted ever eat? I don't think they ever show Ted eating. I got to because he they they had clues peppered in here. He he referred to himself as I'm not wired that way multiple over and times. over again. And the other guy called him the machine. The other and guy Joyce, said the machine. And Joyce says there should be one of you in every home. Yes, there like were a lot like of foreshadowings. So so there was some cute stuff. But also, I want to point out this is the first person bot episode. It is. But yeah, I, I got to watching about halfway through, wondering, did he ever eat? And I can tell you from the point that I started watching for it, he never ate anything. I never saw him eat any of the stuff. We saw him pray, we saw him make the food, we saw him give the food to other people. But I don't think mm-hmm. we ever saw him eat. So he's clearly not wired that way either. Mm-hmm. Um, to get off of Ted for just a minute... Xander and Cordelia's relationship continues to blossom. 
Can I point out that when Xander told Cordelia that she had a nice outfit, she was dressed very similarly <laughs> to Velma from Scooby-Doo? Yeah. <laughs> and her, her not knowing how to react to that was just... Was just... <laughs> what? Nice outfit. What? Nice outfit? I love his just, like, increasing cluelessness. Like, I don't know. What did I do? I'm trying here. I'm trying. Um, I'm complimenting you. Yeah, well, why don't you shut up? (laughs) One thing I found really significant here was after... Now, of course, Buffy didn't kill a human, but she thought she did. You contrast the way she reacts to the way Faith reacts... Later on. Later on, when she does accidentally kill a human... Um, well, I thought it was really significant, and it's something I did not realize was already kind of established as the appropriate way to react to accidentally killing a human. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so the philosophy of uh, the philosophy of um, of Buffy is like a great, great subject for discussion. And so one of the things is like the weight of killing a person. Like killing a person changes you uh, on a spiritual level. It mm-hmm. has it has deep consequences. Um, it's like, it, it engages all of the emotions. Like it's just killing a human is really, really big, mm-hmm. like a big deal. And, um, and I love that Buffy's like, Buffy's response, like I'm with the Slayer. I didn't have the right to hit him. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's, it's like being a superhero gives her a responsibility to humans mm-hmm. and and by failing to control her powers and using them against the human, she violated like sort of like a, an unspoken contract in, in Slayer. I think her guilt is based almost entirely in her saying, I was hoping you would do that. Yeah. Like yeah. she was wanting him to give her an excuse to hit him. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that's a really, a very real thing in kids in that situation is it's like, You've threatened you. You've made me scared. You have threatened me. Nobody believes me. I now need you to prove it. I -hmm. need you to do something bad to me so everybody can see and everybody can believe it. But the problem does lie in the fact that she's a slayer. She doesn't bruise easily. She heals fast. Mm -hmm. He can't actually hurt her. Yeah. He can just be a huge fucking problem in her life yeah which he was he very much was uh she also went with the baggy clothing as soon as she was upset yeah she wore the overalls that's her depressed clothes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. something baggy shapeless and not colorful yeah Yeah. is her go-to when she's not happy um you have the thing here where the friends actually jump into action sort of too late which i think happens a lot in domestic violence situations mm-hmm. yeah. where you have the friends who are there and they're like, well, what can we do? But they don't actually do anything. And this doesn't just happen in domestic violence situations. This happens in a lot of things where it's like, you know, like depression or anything where it's suddenly like, oh, I didn't realize it was this bad. And you're like, well, I fucking told you. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. Mm. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> I, I'm reminded of this. Years ago, I was working as a uh, tech in a vet clinic, and there was this woman that would come in fairly frequently with her cat, and she was always wearing turtleneck sweaters, uh, sunglasses, heavy makeup, even in August in Oklahoma. She would be wearing, you know, this, this stuff, and then one night she came in on emergency, 
and her husband slash boyfriend had thrown the cat into a wall, the cat was okay. I was gonna do. Do we need to put a warning before this story? <laughs> the cat. The cat turned out to be fine, and she was like, "I'm leaving him." And I remember thinking, "Okay, I'm good. Good. I'm glad to hear that." But why did he have to hurt the cat before you would leave? Yeah. And uh, off topic. Sorry. No, no. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, the the. I mean, domestic violence is so fucked up. It is. It's such a it's such a difficult thing because like a lot of it is so insidious and slow. Like in this episode, where you have, where you have this guy that seems great, like my mom's boyfriend that tried to kill her. Everybody loved him. He was an awesome dude, so far as everyone could tell. Mm-hmm. He was nice. To, like people came over. There were parties. Like he was great. And so the fact that I didn't like him, everybody was like, "Well, you're picky." And so it becomes so easy to be like, well, dude, I mean, he's pretty great. He's got a good job. He's mm-hmm. nice to everybody you know. Why are you upset? Yeah. And so it sometimes it takes a bigger thing, like mm-hmm. a bigger explosion for you to see that there's a fire. No, this is, this is not okay. Um, let's see what else we have here. I've got sometimes I like things that aren't good for me. Is like Xander's character statement. That is who <laughs> Xander is right there. Yes, yep. Uh, that is that is pretty great. Uh, Cordy is so awesome in this episode. Like, she is just like here. You see so much of what she's gonna be later yes. in this episode. She's like, like she researches and finds things. And I wish that somebody had been like, Yo, Cordy. Good job. Good job. Because she found shit, like, she found things that Willow didn't find. She was mm-hmm. like, I've got marriage certificates, which was mentioned earlier. Buffy even asked Willow for that, and Willow didn't produce any. Mm-hmm. And then Cordy's like, here's marriage certificates and old office, or old jobs and houses and blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, can we? Can somebody tell her thank you? <laughs> it was pretty awesome. I did, uh, I was a little bit disappointed with the lore in this episode. Yeah? Because we had a very, very cursory, like, like nod at, here's what the Order of Taraka is up to. And, and it, was, it was just such forced exposition at the very beginning. But it did answer your question from last time. Yeah, it doesn't answer the question of who put the contract off. Although, like, I, I guess... So Drusilla, obviously, being okay, uh, probably put off the contract, but the question is, like, why? I think that Drew and Spike called it off because Spike wants to kill her. Mm. We'll go with that. I'll like, go with that. I'll be happy I mean, it never, it never explicitly says that, but we do know that killing Slayers is Spike's hobby. Yeah, but Spike's not really in a good position to do anything right but now. But he will be. One day. Drew's going to help him. It's true. And what better Slayer to kill than the one that nearly killed you? That's fair. So, um, oh, I was I was gonna say uh, when Buffy does when Ted finally does hit Buffy, and Buffy says, "I was hoping you would do that." I was like, "Yes, me too, <laughs> me too," because it was such a thrilling moment to, like, I think one of the things that I love validated. About- yeah, one of the things that I love so much uh, about Buffy was that she was a teenager who was going through a lot of the same things that I was, and she was also capable of defending herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very capable. Absolutely. Um, 
Now, they reestablished the uh, Ginny and Giles relationship in this episode, too. Ginny, uh, Ginny Callender. Uh, first, she's kind of mean to him. And then she shows up to apologize. But I've got to complain... From almost the beginning, Jenny has known about vampires. So when she... she yeah, she wasn't surprised. She, and she was all like, I'm a techno-pagan. I know. But she approaches him when he's obviously out um, in a dangerous area. You know? And I, 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 I was like, did you guys forget that she knows about this stuff? Yeah, Jenny's been a problem recently. And I and remember loving her character so much. I loved her too. Like I loved her in the beginning. Um, I feel like Cordy's the new Jenny. <laughs> like Cordy is is filling the the role that Jenny used to of incredibly helpful tertiary character. Mm-hmm. Um, but I miss Jenny being Jenny. She Jenny does is pretty cool in this one. So I I like I really like the interaction that she and Giles have at the end during the fight when she accidentally shoots him. Like, I would watch that show. Just she Giles was, and Ginny Vampire she Hunters. She was so <laughs> excited when she shot. Uh-huh. She had a one-liner, too. Yes, she had not remember what the one-liner was, but it was good. Oh, it was so great. And <laughs> she hit Giles. But I would totally watch that show. Absolutely, I would. Um, yeah, just notice the parallelism when Buffy walks into Giles and yes. Jennifer. Ginny. Yeah. Why'd yes. you call her Jennifer? That was weird. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know why. Uh, but they're making out at the end, uh, and how that mimicked the Joyce and Ted making out at the beginning. Yeah, but I feel like it was a little bit different in how the, there was no um, upset reaction. Like, the kids were just like, oh, I guess we better go. <laughs> yeah. Like, and so it, it did mimic it, but also, like, sort of showed the difference in the relationships. Like, I was this one is bad. This one's okay. I was wondering if it was actually a foreshadowing. Since uh, Joyce's relationship ends badly. I don't mm. think it's a foreshadowing. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but I don't think it's a foreshadowing because... I don't think they knew they were going to do it. <laughs> their, their foreshadowing doesn't foreshadow Jenny being bad. It just in, indicates things being bad. That love, that love is... Will tear us apart. Ephemeral Again. and temporary. Yes. Uh, I have two notes left. One is that when they get down to Ted's basement, there was a very fallout feel to that basement. There was. I wish that we had gotten a little bit more on that. I don't know what I would have wanted, mm-hmm. but it was very it was very cool and very creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is fallout. <laughs> yeah. I wish that, the, that, that it is. That is perfect description of fallout. I wish that there had been a smell. I wish that somebody had said something about his smell, mm-hmm. because he was apparently keeping bodies in there. bodies. And can I talk for a second about that reveal scene? They're all just looking around, and then Xander goes to the closet, and he opens it. We see the the camera's POV is from the closet. We see Xander see it. He calmly closes the door and is like, "Let's go." And everybody's like, "But we need evidence." And he's like, "We've got it." And there are so many things I like about the scene. I like one that everybody trusts each other. Like when he says that, nobody's like, "What are you talking about?" They're all just like, "Okay." Like even as they're asking questions, they are following Xander. Mm-hmm. And I love seeing like a unit. Like I love seeing how well 
these characters work together. Yeah. And the fact that Xander's not doing that whole, like, I'm going to be coy about this. He's like, we've got, like, he clearly doesn't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But, and then he says, I found his first four wives. Yeah. And then just, like, the horror, like, the way that he, that, that um, Nicholas Brendan delivers that just mm-hmm. so, like, flatly, like, I am tamping down all of my emotions mm-hmm. about this. And then you just let the horror of what you know Xander just saw like seep in and he like and, and, and what he knows now about uh it's just I really like that scene guys. I didn't really, even know how much I like that scene until I started started. It was talking a really, about it right really now. good scene. Um I, I especially because the the backdrop was so great and the and the uh, theme of the nineteen fifty seven home mm-hmm. in his basement because it was very fallout. Yeah. Um but yeah like yeah, I love that they didn't show the bodies. Yeah, it would have been so easy. Like, they show gore and stuff on the yeah. show all the time. Mm-hmm. It would have been so easy for them to, and I love that they didn't. Mm-hmm. That that scene was very subtle. And the other thing they didn't do is, well, we have to save them. Nope. Nope, there's no saving them. They didn't yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, which... like, 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 Xander's reaction tells you everything you need to know about mm-hmm. why they need to get out of that basement. Exactly. Anyone else have anything? I do have one more thing that I want to talk about. Okay. I forget which episode it is, but there's an episode later on where Buffy is in a mental institution. Yes. Where we have sort of a parallel thing happening where Buffy's in a mental institution and she is being told that her whole life as the vampire slayer is a delusion that she's having. Mm -hmm. And what's very cool about that episode that we'll see later uh, is that there's not actually any closure on that. Like, we never find out definitively if yes. the del- if she is delusional or if she was in some enchantment dream. In fact, if I remember the episode correctly, it does suggest that maybe the mental institution was reality. Yes, yeah, so I want to talk a little bit about this episode and what it means for that episode. Because Ted says to her... I, can't, I didn't write down the exact quote, but he says to her something about, what are vampires? You are delusional. You are going to... I'm going to tell... I'm going to show this to your mother, and you're going to end up locked up in a mental institution. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to spend the, your best dating years in a mental institution. And so... And then he hits her, and she fights back, and she pushes him down the stairs. And I feel like you could make a very strong argument that that is the last thing that happens to Buffy... Before she is actually arrested and put in a mental institution. Interesting. Because yeah. at that point, because that is where it's like, because this is also the first person bot. We've seen robots, but this is the first person, or this is the first robot that perfectly mimics a human, mm-hmm. which was always to me the one and only point, like, not the one and only, but like the biggest point of really TV show. Really? Like, I'm down with the magic and the demons and all of that, but then you bring in these perfectly humanoid, like, these perfectly human-seeming robots, and I'm like, mmm, I don't believe you anymore. (laughs) And so I feel like you can make, I feel like I have made a very strong argument that this is, this is when Buffy goes to the mental institution. I can, I can buy it. I, I like it, but I also hate it. But I also like it. <laughs> Do you have anything else? Because no, I think okay. she totally did kill a person. I have 
I, I don't think I don't I don't really go one way or the other on that episode. I think you can, both things are equally fun to think about. But my last comment here is at the end when Joyce and Buffy were sitting on the porch. What the fuck were they eating? That was an Adrian level of crunch going on there. <laughs> it was really loud food. <laughs> okay, before we go, uh, I'm going to ask you to please, please, please go give us some reviews on iTunes and Google Play. This podcast, we don't have a single review, guys. Someone go review us. Come on. Show us some love. Um, if you want to follow us, you can catch us at Once More W Buffy on Twitter and Once More W Buffy on Instagram. We don't go for a lot of creativity in our uh, handles. Uh, and we would love to chat with you on uh, on either platform about this episode. We do have two sister podcasts. We have uh, Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, A Good Ghoul's Guide to Horror, which is a, a podcast about horror movies. And then we have Collective Snark, which is kind of a pop culture. And sometimes we talk about serious stuff. Sometimes we talk about not so serious stuff. And you can catch Adrian on both of those along with a couple of other friends of ours. And Donna, too. And Donna, too. And um, finally, we are on the Gumby Cat Networks, which uh, we very much appreciate Gumby Cat for inviting us to join. You can find all kinds of interesting podcasts on there. Uh, There's gaming podcasts. There's books, movies, and TV. There's just general uh, nerdiness. And I would just really like to suggest you check them out. Can I suggest people check out one more thing? Yes. If you are into this, I think Donna and another friend of ours, Shannon, are doing a podcast called The Family Business that I plan to drop in on a few times about Supernatural. We're going to call that our brother podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's not out yet, but we are trying to get several episodes recorded before we put it out. So be on the lookout for The Family Business, which I think will probably also be on Gumby Cat. And and last thing, if you ever want to comfort your girlfriend and your first impression, your first impulse is to call yourself her daddy. Don't Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, that was when he was like, daddy's here. I was like, shut the fuck up. Creepazoid. For sure. Her. uh... Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts for podcast people. Meow. Meow.